Good morning. As you know, the church's teaching that we are saved by grace through faith and not by the works of the law is one of the core doctrines of the 16th century Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther promoted the doctrine on the basis of the writings of St. Paul, who says as much in the letters to the Romans and the Galatians. But unlike Luther, who sometimes found in the doctrine of justification by faith an opposition between law and gospel, neither Paul nor Jesus ever denounced the law. In his magnum opus, The Letter to the Romans, Paul claims that in Christ, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Yet in the same verse, he says, the law and the prophets bear witness to it. And Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Once when a lawyer asked him, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus referred him to the law. And when the lawyer recited the summary of the law, which we heard Jesus recite today, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said, you have answered right. Do this and you'll live. And this summary of the law, to love God and to love your neighbor, was no vague, pious sentiment but was proscribed by the commandments, the statutes, and the ordinances of the law that governed Israel. For example, the Old Testament lesson appointed for today is from Leviticus, which is apart from the law, and says, with justice you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, in spite of this abuse of the law by scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day, pious Jews celebrated the law as the mark of Israel's exceptional status among the nations. Unlike in Egypt, where Pharaoh was a god, and unlike Babylon, where laws were an expression of the king's will, in Israel, the king was the servant of the Lord, and no man was above the law. This was true even of the greatest king, King David. Indeed, it was the source of his greatness. Indeed, the law for Israel was more than commandments and statutes and ordinances. Torah, the Hebrew word for law, has the connotation of revelation and instruction. 
It not only proscribed crimes, but established norms of conduct, a code of ethics, and standards of personal morality. So in today's psalm, we hear, happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat at the seats of the scornful, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night. And this reverence for the Torah extended beyond the liturgy of the synagogue to everyday behavior. So in today's lesson, Paul reminds the Thessalonians that our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery. And he reminds them that we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed. For us too, no one is above the law. We call criminals outlaws. And we say of the immoral, immoral man and the tyrant that he or she is lawless. The problem with the law is that it is ultimately powerless. It can tell us what is good, but it cannot make anyone good. It can punish lawbreakers, but it cannot make them obey the law. It can say what will make for, happy, for happiness, but has no power to make us do what will make us happy. The law, in other words, cannot save. This New Testament insight is shared by modern psychology. When I was a few years out of college, I found myself the community mental health educator for the Nashville Mental Health Association. My job was to speak to schools and civic clubs about mental health and to coordinate police training seminars. Since I had majored in English, not psychology, I decided I needed to read some psychology to find out what it was all about. So I set about reading Freud and Jung and Adler and others, and what I discovered surprised me. I discovered that modern psychologists agreed with the New Testament in their diagnosis of the human condition. They even agreed with the New Testament about the prescription and the cure. They spoke about anxiety, despair, and alienation, and guilt. They agreed that the prescription for anxiety is faith. The prescription for despair is hope. The prescription for alienation is love, compassion, and empathy, what the medieval theologians called charity. They know that the prescription for guilt is forgiveness. The problem is they have no authority and no power. They cannot say whether there is anything to believe in 
or to hope for. They cannot give love, and they have no authority to forgive. They left me feeling like the little boy in the Woody Allen movie who wouldn't do his homework. His mother took him to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist asked him, why won't you do your homework? And he said, because the universe is expanding. And the psychiatrist said, what? The little boy said, well, the universe is expanding and expanding and expanding, and eventually it's going to get so big that it's going to begin to contract and collapse. And the psychiatrist said, what's that got to do with not doing your homework? He said, what's the point? But we know there is a point. We believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. We believe that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. And so we pray for grace, for God to increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, and pray so that we may obtain what you promise, make us love what you command. Amen.